When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am your host, Tom Reed, uh, joined today by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. Uh, we will have a former uh, Penguins goalie, Sebastian Caron, uh, to come on a little bit later, uh, kind of talk about the, the big news of the, the past couple days. Uh, Mike Buckley, uh, kind of the embattled goalies coach for the Penguins is now out. Uh, that move was was made on Wednesday. And uh, Andy Kyoto, who has been in the organization for a while as, as, as the uh, development coach, uh, he is the new Penguins goalie coach. Uh, guys, I, I, maybe this wasn't a surprise as far as the decision to switch goaltending coaches considering how things have gone here the last couple of years. Uh, any surprise with the timing, Taylor? Um, I think the timing, yeah, this late in the offseason, it's kind of uh, surprising. Hextall, he did speak about that on um, Thursday, that uh, it, Buckley's job status had been an ongoing conversation really throughout the offseason here. So it's not something that they just, you know, sprung out of nowhere. He said, you know, they were just going through the process, talking to, you know, a bunch of different people. Um and, you know, making sure they had a, a replacement lined up. But um, still, this this point in the offseason, it is kind of interesting. Uh, Dave, uh, you wrote about this extensively uh, on Wednesday after it happened. First of all, just your thoughts on on the decision to to, to, to move on and, and bring in Kyoto. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's real hard to make a case that Mike Buckley should have been, you know, out of the, the job. Uh, based on the way the goalies regressed during his time as as the goalie coach. The surprise is that it happened so long after the end of the season and after members of the the front office and, and Mike Sullivan had been so adamant uh, about defending the uh, the performance that he turned in last season. Yes. At least uh, the part of it that uh, Burke and Hextall were around for. I mean, it was brought up multiple times since the end of the season, and uh, every time they seem to defend his work, you know, more fiercely than than they had the time before. So in that regard, yeah, it it was kind of a surprise uh, when it actually happened. I have I have the quote pulled up. I, well, I mean, like Hex saw a couple times he defended, you know, the entire coaching staff, saying the entire staff did a terrific job. But I have the quote from when Dave asked Burke about it, and Burke said. Um, about Buckley, uh, Burke said he's the goalie coach who coached the goalies that won us a division title, uh, but suddenly became a village idiot in the playoffs. I don't think so. I think Mike Buckley did a good job. So, I mean, that sounded like a pretty strong defense. <laughs> okay. And we go from that quote uh, to, to now Ron Hextall did meet with the media on Thursday via the zoom call or whatever you want to want to call it uh, these days. Taylor, what, what did he have to say? Because I'm sure this was a question that came up regarding the timing and after having the endorsements from the organization earlier the year to where Buckley's out of a job. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's something that he, Hextall said the organization had been, you know, having a conversation about for a while now here uh, throughout the offseason. Um, he said ultimately it came down to, you know, he said it's a lot of what your gut is telling you um, to do. Um, and, you know, they got opinions from a bunch of different people in the organization. And in the end, they felt like they needed to change. And um, Andy Kyoto, they he spoke highly of his experience. But then also Kyoto, I mean, he's been the development coach for the last three seasons. He is familiar with both Jari and um, the Smith, and then you know the guys in the in the system too. Um, so I, I I asked if they looked for, like outside hires. Hexall kind of brushed over that, but he said you know that they just really liked uh, Kyoto. Uh, Dave, he's he's a friend of the sixty sixty eighty seven podcast. <laughs> Andy Kyoto, uh, we've had him on. Uh, I know your your focus is always laser focused on, on Pittsburgh, but your thoughts on 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 Andy? Well, I mean, uh, it's it certainly would be difficult to build a case against him. I, he seems to have done some good work in his you know previous role uh, as as developmental coach, but you know I'll attach the caveat to that that the same seemed to be true of Mike Buckley, you know that he had. Uh, gotten a lot of the credit for the way uh, Matt Murray developed in, in Wilkes-Barre and, uh, you know, was able to contribute to two Stanley Cups in his first two, uh, you know, uh, partial seasons in, in the NHL. So, you know, just because a guy is successful at, at one job doesn't mean that it's going to translate well to the next one. But, you know, I, I think um, – Kyoto certainly has uh, has earned the opportunity and deserves a chance to prove himself. Something more about Kyoto's background. So, I mean, like before he was with the Penguins, he was with uh, he was in the OHL with Ottawa and University of Toronto too. But uh, he he did some independent um, goalie coaching too in the off seasons in Toronto. Um, and what he 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 did that he's he's been doing that for a long time. And one of the goalies he started working with, you know, one on one was Jordan Biddington. And he started working with Bennington during the summer of 2016 when he was in the AHL with um, the Chicago Wolves, really not putting up great numbers. And and uh, Kyoto did work with Bennington even after you know up through after he won the Cup in, in St. Louis. So um, he does kind of have some experience working with NHL goalies, um, even though it is just in the off season. Dave, not to not to give away our our, our interview because we we did we've already done our interview. Uh, uh, with Sebastian Caron, but I, he, he brought up a point that kind of like caught my attention real quick, but when he played, there were no goalie coaches back then, Dave, back in the, in the early two thousands. Is that, is that your memory of it in the uh, NHL? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say that my recollection is that there were no goalie coaches, but I don't think the position had nearly the prominence that it does now. Um, and I don't know that every team would have had one back then. Do you, did uh, the Penguins have, like when Barrasso was there, did they have a goalie coach? I'm I'm trying to think. I think Joe Malosh, I want to say, was the first goalie coach that they had, but I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. You know, yeah. when he, he, he had been, I just looked it up, he's, Malak, he was, he joined in the 89-90 season. Um, as well, a that was as a, as a, I believe, as a player, unless he went directly from playing to... Uh, he So he retired as a player in 87-88. So, yeah, it was really pretty much right after he retired. 
Um, he came in as a goaltending coach slash amateur scout, um, and he uh, kind of had that dual role up until um, 06, 07 when he became, you know, full-time goaltending coach. Yeah, and he was mostly a scout, too. I mean, I don't know that he lived in Pittsburgh at any point during that time. He was mostly a, an amateur scout in Quebec. That, that is it's fascinating. And, and Dave, you, 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 you hit it the right way, but when we think of – we always say you've got to have good goaltending. You, you know, you got to have great goaltending to win in the playoffs. And it, it is amazing that it's, it kind of t- – it's taken this – so much time to really have a goalie coach. And I guess part of it is, is, is the argument is you're only working with a couple of guys, right? You're, you know, the, everyone's the defenseman, defensive coaches working with seven or eight guys, the forwards, 12, 13 guys, head coaches running the whole thing. Uh, but boy, those couple guys that you have back there are really important. And Taylor, it seems to me one of the most important things Andy will, uh, Kyoto will have to do. And I, I'm sure this is, with with any of these guys is build trust, uh, build trust that 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 Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith uh, can trust him in in what he's telling them. Uh, that seems to to have become a bigger and more important things with goalie coaches now. Yeah, and I mean that's part of why you know he kind of had the edge is because he at least kind of had some level of of trust with them. Jari from when he was in you know, Wilkes-Barre to start and then to Smith. To Smith was in Wilkes-Barre, um, you know, two seasons ago. Um, so he, he he does have like a working relationship with both of them. And then he also kind of, you know, the Penguins do have some good goaltending prospects coming up through the system, like Blomquist and Klung over in Europe. And um, Kyoto has been working, you know, virtually like from afar with those guys, um, you know, since they were drafted. So um, he, he does kind of, that, that trust he has with, you know, goalies all throughout the organization really, really helps him. Yeah, I think it's important. I, I live in Columbus. I, I've covered the Blue Jackets, and I know Manny Legacy, who's who's been the goalie coach here for several years now and will continue to be the coach. That's one of the strongest points that, that I know in talking with their goalies is, you know, of course, Andy played – or I'm sorry, Manny played in the league, and but he builds really good relationships. And uh, I think that's as much as important as the, as the, the technique. It's got to be a combination of – on ice teaching and and kind of the mental side of that, and again, Andy's or um, Sebastian's going to get into that a little bit as well. Uh, fascinating stuff. All right, yeah, the news is coming thick and fast here uh, in Penguins land the last day or two. Uh, on our last podcast, we talked about Zach Aston Reese, uh, you know, going to arbitration, and and earlier on Thursday morning, Taylor had fished out the date when it was going to be. Well, it's all moot. Uh, he is in the fold for, I, I believe, at least one more year. Is that correct, Dave? You you have this confirmed? It is one year, uh, $1.725 million, which is a nice raise over the $1 million that uh, his, you know, his cap hit from his recently expired deal. Do, do, do you guys think, uh, Taylor, do you think that this will then – are you surprised this was just the one year or is that all they could – they could offer him at this point and then maybe work on a little bit longer contract after this. I mean, they could have offered him more. I think, yeah. uh, you know, maybe both sides uh, just get the unknown with the cap. Maybe, you know, that would kind of lead the Penguins to not want to offer more term. And then Aston Reese, he's probably, you know, fine with not taking more term because he is, um, he does turn 27 later this month, which means he is going to be unrestricted um, next offseason. So, I mean, that had to be appealing to him, too. 
um, to be able, I guess, get to that closer and maybe you know get a better deal next offseason. So um, I think th- the term is, is pretty reasonable. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, with the roundtable segment. Uh, and uh, stick with us. As I said, we'll, we will have Sebastian Caron on a little bit later. Uh, more coming up on the 66 to 87 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, We've reached our roundtable segment. And uh, right now, one of the dominating stories in the world of sports is the Summer Olympics going on in Tokyo, Japan. I'm a huge Olympic person and uh, always try to watch an hour or two each night. Uh, but I feel like I'm one of the few people that are watching it because the, the ratings are really down this year. Part of that is the fact that all the live events are kind of happening overnight in a lot of these cases, and you wake up in the morning and you find out who won. Um, but the other part of this is I'm a huge NBA fan. I, I, I like the NBA just as much as I like the NHL, and I have had no interest in watching our NBA team. Uh, it has nothing to do with any politics or anything like that. It's just like, you know what? I, I, I The Dream Team was a great concept years ago, and the best-on-best best tournament was really cool for a couple Olympics. And I've just got to the point where I'm, I'm just not a big fan of it. And and uh, guys, we're getting ready to go. It looks like it looks like the NHL is going to go back to the, the Olympics in Beijing next year. Of course, great honor for for Mike Sullivan to be named uh, the head coach of of Team USA. I want to get your take though. It, Taylor, are you a fan of these best on best tournaments in the Olympics or would you, or, or have they outlived their usefulness for you? I, I love the uh, Olympic hockey. I am really not into the, the summer Olympics. I honestly haven't watched uh, like a minute or anything of the summer Olympics this year. Part of that is like you said, that it is overnight. Um, You see who won in the morning. I'm not going to, watch the rerun now that I know who won and uh and part of it is like the street like NBC has it on Peacock I'm not going to pay for Peacock to watch some of this stuff but as far as just you know the best on best that conversation um I, I like it in hockey uh, I think that's you don't get it so much in the you know the world championships because oftentimes you know maybe the best players are still playing in the playoffs or they just don't want to go and so I think really the only time you're going to get the best on best is the um, as the Olympics, I think that's exciting for, for hockey. Dave, do you, uh, your thoughts on, on, on Olympic hockey with the, with the NHL players being involved as opposed to, you know, the last Olympics, uh, they were not involved. Uh, they, they took, they, they took that one, uh, four year period off. Uh, they're going to be back there right now. There's a commitment to 2022 and 2026. Uh, do your thoughts on that best on best tournament? Well, I mean, in theory, I, I like the idea of a best-on-best best tournament, but I don't think you can view the Olympics in isolation. You have to look at it, from my perspective, as something that completely disrupts the NHL season. Yeah. Um, 
and because my primary interest is is in the NHL, um, I view you know players participating in, in the Olympics a you know as a largely a negative. Um, you know you have <clears throat> a lot of additional wear and tear on uh, on you know the top players in the game, and you know that's going to be compounded by the you know rigors of the go you know going all the way to china yeah uh next winter so you know i you know the, in theory it's great you know you, you always like to see the the best in a given sport uh go head to head but you know uh, for me the uh the negatives outweigh outweigh the positives yeah I, and i agree especially the, and not to sound like the uh the ugly American or ugly North American, but just the idea of the travel again in China, they're going to have the, 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 the situation where you're going to wake up in the middle of the night or wake up in the morning and know who won a lot of these games. So the North American viewers are going to be kind of disadvantaged. I love the 2010 Olympics. I mean, obviously that Sidney Crosby, the golden goal, which is great, but Taylor, I think a lot of, a lot of fans, uh, and I'm like this with soccer and the World Cup and the Euro Cup. I'm just hoping my team players do not get hurt. And I always worry about that when they when they go to these tournaments, especially an in-season tournament, uh, the way that the Olympics are set up in hockey. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a concern. Um, but then maybe, you know, there's the benefit of some of your aging players would benefit from the, the time off if, you know, they're not Olympians. Like something like Jeff Carter. Um, do you think it would yeah. help Jeff Carter, you know, a couple weeks, um, you know, just off in the middle of the season, uh, you know, someone that is getting up there. So um, I think, you know, some players that, that break might help them, but um, the injury is definitely a big concern too. Dave, do you get a sense in, in talking with Sidney Crosby and, and Malkin over the years, how much they enjoy it? Or is it something that it's more of an obligation or, or is there a sincere uh, enjoyment uh, as far as representing their country in this tournament? Oh, I think uh, they very much uh, like the opportunity to to play for their country. Um, and Malkin, in particular, I, I think that uh, being able to represent Russia is a, is a very big deal for him. And you know, if Crosby is far behind him in that regard, it's not very far. Yeah, uh, he, you know, I I, I think that means a, a great deal to him. Uh, you know. Both guys, I'm sure that if uh, if they're given the opportunity to participate in the uh, in the next Olympics, they they most certainly will uh, want to do so. Yeah, I think, it, I think it means more to like European players, um, and I mean it, maybe particularly Russians. Do you remember like Ovechkin in 2018 was talking about um, you know because you know NHL players couldn't go, and he was talking about how you know leaving the Capitals going anyway. He didn't end up doing that. Um, but I mean, it, it sounded at you know, one point that it was maybe more important to him than playing in the NHL, at least for that season. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think that there's part of that is true. Now the, 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 um, the NHL a couple of years ago brought the world cup back and it was in Toronto. I think it might've been in maybe a little bit of it in Montreal as well. It was certainly, it was based in Toronto and it went, it was okay. It was, it, I, I think it was 
received okay. Uh, it was in it, but but the, I thought the, the the nice part about it it was right before training camp started, or as training camps were kind of getting underway. And to me, I like that better. I actually like that better. Kind of a way for those guys to get their seasons going. They get a little bit of a jump, but they're not going to be totally taxed uh, coming into a season. And if there is an injury, it's not happening down the stretch where you're trying to eat your team's either trying to get in the playoffs or if it's a heavens forbid, a longer term injury, miss the playoffs. Dave, would you be in favor of something like that? Them, them just saying enough for the Olympics. We're going to keep, we're going to keep giving you guys a tournament so you can have the best on best to represent your country. We're going to do it here in North America and just keep going with the world cup format. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I covered that tournament and it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, team North America in particular was, yes. uh, was very entertaining. That was the group of players who, what they were under age 23, I believe basically young players. Yes, who, Brandon thought, I who, believe was on that team from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Matt Murray. Uh, yep. Was yes, that's it. right. Um, but you know, the, it, the, the downside to a tournament like that in, say, September or, you know, spilling into August is that you're getting guys who re- whose games really haven't rounded into, for lack of a better term, mid-season form at that point. Sure. You know, there's still some of the, the summer rust on them, so their games aren't at their, uh, you know, at, the, at their pinnacles. But at least in terms of disrupting uh, an NHL season, I, I think it's a lot less intrusive uh, than the Olympics are. Yeah, and I go back to the World Cup again. is is not a is not a when they did it in 2016. Uh, I know they had done it in '96, I think. And to me, that was the best hockey tournament I've ever seen. It was, a, it was the best hockey tournament no one actually saw other than the fans that could find it. Uh, it wasn't even on like ESPN or anything, but I thought it was wonderful. And, and, and it, it, I thought the guys really got into it. That was the one that the United States won, uh, beat Canada for, for the for the gold medal. Uh, I do think that there is a way I do think that there is a way to continue to do this without the strain of, of travel having these guys travel. To, to China, there's probably listeners out there and say, weren't they? Weren't the Olympics just in China? Well, they were, and part of the reason is is nobody else wanted them. Literally, they were, they had six semifinalists for the for the for the 2022 Olympics, and four of them pulled out because it's an extremely expensive things to put on, and it was either it was either Beijing or Kazakhstan, and guess what? <laughs> Guess what the IOC decided? We'll, we'll go to Beijing. So it's going to be interesting to see wh- where this goes. And, of course, again, for Mike Sullivan, it's a great honor, and, and, it, and they're, they're probably going to go this year. And you hope that, 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 that the Team USA can, can do well for him. And, of course, for Sidney Crosby, who's been part of that golden generation of Canadians, uh, wow, what a, what a way probably to cap his international career. Uh, well, and that's why, like, the World Cup of, of hockey, at least, you know, the, the 2016 version, not the ori- I think, you know, the original one that's in the 70s, you know, through, the, what, 91, I think they stopped it. That was popular, you know, among the players. But the, the one the NHL put on in 2016, that just felt like Gary Bettman's fake Olympics. And Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Talk about, like, North Amer- like, the Team North America. Like, that. I think maybe it was fun for fans, but if you're a player, like – 
if you don't get that same, if you're on like the Team North America or like they had a Team Europe of just all the miscellaneous guys, like and they reached the the final. Well, they did, but also like if you're a player playing on Team Europe, like you're not getting kind of that. You're not playing for your country, like you don't get that kind of benefit out of doing it. So I think you know the if yes, the players they'd rather go to the Olympics. Um, well, well, I got to tell you, Taylor, yeah. I, I got to tell you that team North America, I think those kids enjoyed themselves. I did. I was there, Dave, you said you were there. They seem to have a lot of fun with that, but you're right. It's, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't cut, it cuts through nationalities. You have America obviously and, and Canada, but boy, they seem to have a lot of fun, Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they you know, they were a really entertaining team to watch you know, fast and skilled and, yep. you know, some of the guys who are, you know, dominant figures in the league today, you know, were, were on that team. Um, yeah, they, they did have a lot of fun, but, um, you know, had, uh, had they won the thing, I, I'm not sure that they would have gotten all choked up and teary eyed listening to the North American anthem. So. What is that, by the way? What is the North American? Do we have a is I, I have no idea what that would be, but you're right. And, and I, the, the, the game I remember more than anything, it was in the qualifying rounds. And North America, I don't think even qualified for the second round, but they were playing, <laughs> they were playing Sweden, and they scored like three goals in like the first five minutes against Henrik Lundqvist. It was, it was incredible. It was, it was incredible to watch. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun, and, and I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for it if, if that's an alternative. Even to your point, Taylor, it's not a nationality, but it would be for the younger kids. It wouldn't be for the for the older players. I, I would bring that that concept back. And one of those guys that were on that team is the subject of our our, our next sec, our next uh, topic. Austin Matthews a couple of years ago uh, signed a five year deal uh, with Toronto, an extension. And one of the things that caught people's attention there was that. Well, why wouldn't you go for the you know the long term deal? Why 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 limit yourself to five years? Uh, you know, it was a fifty eight million dollar deal, uh, and certainly Matthews has so far lived up to his end of it. Uh, those contracts, his decision mirrored some of the the decisions made by NBA players, the superstars of the league, who have decided they want to take a little bit more ownership of their career. So they're going to take shorter deals, uh, betting on themselves that they're going to continue to play a high level. And I wonder, Dave, uh, with with the way the game's going, with the economics of the game, might we see more of this in the future with some of the younger stars? Well, I mean, it, it certainly is possible. Um, you know, it's things are difficult to predict. I mean, two years ago, who saw a pandemic coming? Right. Uh, but you know, it most indications are that that the salary cap is going to stay at least relatively flat, if not flat out flat, for a few years. So, you know, uh, players might have a uh, a chance to increase their earnings. You know, uh, say three or four years down the road. Uh, you know, and if maximizing their their income is, is their primary objective, you know, they might want to uh, take a shorter term deal, you know, rather than go for a uh, a seven or eight year agreement uh, and the security that, that that would provide. They might want to 
gamble on themselves and hope for a payoff, you know, down the road. Taylor, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw maybe a little bit of that already with, you know, the flat cap. I mean, what looking at Taylor Hall last year, he just signed the the one year deal with with Buffalo. I mean, not that he would have wanted to stay in Buffalo a long time otherwise, but <laughs> he was fine taking that one year deal, high salary, and then um, you know, looking elsewhere, you know, this off season. He did sign a but a four Taylor Hall, he signed a four year deal with with the Bruins, which I think is maybe kind of reasonable for a player like that. Yeah. Um but uh, I mean, yeah, if you're someone like what Jack Hughes is a free agent next offseason, right? If, if the cap still isn't going up, someone like Hughes, why would you want, you know, like a long, long-term contract um, when you, you don't know when the cap's going up? And, you know, if you, you wouldn't want to sign for like a long-term, really team-friendly deal under this cap when it could go up um, a lot in a couple of years. Right. And the... Go ahead, Dave. Jump in. Uh, no, I was going to say, just speaking as somebody who's made the absurdly high salary of a sports writer for all of these decades, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not sure at what point you decide that you've you've made enough money, and you know, it's worth sacrificing a, a bit of salary to be in a situation and a city that that you really like. That's yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I certainly understand wanting to set your family up for generations to come. I know I've tried to set mine up for weeks to come, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I, I don't begrudge any player who tries to make absolutely as much money as he can. But I, I can also see where you could make a case that, you know, you, there might be situations where guys want to trade a few dollars. Uh, just to be, you know, stay in a place that that they like and to uh, be with, with teammates that they enjoy. Yeah, and, and that that kind of you kind of took a little bit of the thunder, but I'll go ahead and still bring up the point. We have people like Connor McDavid who did sign the longer term deal. <laughs> the Jack Eichel saga is just unbelievable. I mean, he signed that what was it an eight? It was an eight year deal, and you know he's. That is a mess there. Uh, and I think, Dave, Dave, I think your point's valid. I think part of this is uh, to give you – to maintain flexibility. Again, if you're a great player – and, again, this is going to be stuff that's done by players of the up, up on the highest echelon of the game. So guys that get one- or two-year contracts are the guys that are just kind of right hanging on in, in many ways or they can't get a longer-term deal. But, but, but for this top echelon guys – I could see them like wanting to have more of a say in their future as far as, okay, if this organization isn't going to be doing very well in two or three years, I'm out of here. Taylor? Yeah, I mean, you, you point to, you know, Eichel signing that long-term deal. I think at the time, that's not that crazy. I think maybe most people would have figured that, you know, maybe Buffalo would be good build around Eichel by the end of that. Sure. Um, and I think now, like we're seeing the way the Sabres are now, and that they really haven't built around Michael at all. That uh, you know he'd probably he, well he wants to be somewhere else. We know that. Um, so maybe you know if we're seeing some of these higher draft picks be drafted. You know they're being drafted by bad teams. Maybe if you know those teams are still struggling three years later when their entry level deals are up then they don't want to do that eight year deal kind of like Eichel did just because you know <laughs> you can't guarantee that that team's going to be a contender in eight years. So 
Yeah, sometimes it works out. Now, I'll give you a case in point. He's right here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Carter's on a, what, a 10-year deal, 10- or 11-year deal he's finishing up? What? Uh, Jeff Carter. He's he's He was on an incredibly long contract. Is he still on the same contract? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is, yeah he's uh, yes, I believe this is – he was on like a double-digit year it's contract. It's 11, 11. And he thought okay, – all right. <laughs> he signed in Philadelphia. It's like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> a couple weeks later, they're like, good luck in Columbus. And it's like, what? Now it yeah. worked out for him because he was able to kind of get his way out of Columbus and got to a really good situation in Los Angeles where he won a couple of cups. And now he's here in Pittsburgh. But some guys, again, like Eichel are trapped in like this situation where I don't want to be in Buffalo. Uh, and now there the, this whole mess with the team doctors and can he have surgery? Should he have surgery? I just think we are going to see get to a point where some of these guys are going to to they're still going to get their money, but take less term uh, to have a little bit more ownership of of where their future lies. All right, when joined by Sebastian Caron. Uh, he's going to talk to you, former teammate of Andy Kyoto. He's going to tell us a little bit of, of about that and all things goaltending here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are now joined by former Penguins goalie, uh, Sebastian Caron. Uh, Sebastian, uh, as as fans will remember, played three seasons with the team. Also, uh, several seasons in the organization with the team's new goaltending coach, Andy Kyoto. Uh, so welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Sebastian? Really good. How are you guys? Yeah, great, great. Thanks for thanks for joining us today. Uh, so you've been out of hockey for a couple years now. I think you might have last played in, in – was in Germany? Were you in Germany in, for a couple yeah, of years? Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. Yes. What uh, now? You live. You you live in the Wilkes-Barre era. What have you been doing? How how active are you still staying? As far as being around the rink, around the boys. Well, last year with COVID was uh, was a little harder than usual because everybody had to do the testing and everything. So we didn't want anybody to get uh, test positive. It was pretty close environment for them. So I was not involved as much last year, but uh, the years before, I was kind of like the uh, guy that want, needed a goalie for practice or, you know, be around the room a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, a little bit involved like that. So, Yeah. And now you've also worked as – obviously you've, you've, you've reached the highest level, played for uh, multiple teams, but occasionally you still work as an emergency backup goalie in the past, right? What is that – what is kind of that like and uh, would you still like to be involved in the game in some way? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I was, um, you know, they, I live like 20 minutes away from the rink. So um, whatever they need me to uh, somebody get called up or, you know, sick or whatever. So I, I just uh, a quick uh, drive away to be uh, helping them out and uh, do the best I can to uh, to help the organization in case they're in a jam. Yeah, and as uh, Tom mentioned, you know, your teammates with Kyoto, now the Penguins head goaltending coach um, mm-hmm. in the organization together, 03 04, and then the year after the lockout, too. What do you remember of him as just a player and a person back then when he was kind of breaking into pro hockey? 
Well, Andy did pretty well. He had an amazing career. He played for a long time. He played overseas. He knows a lot about, uh, you know, not only North America, but overseas playing. So uh, uh, I played against him a little bit over there at training camps. And, um, you know, he was a goalie coach when I, I came and helped out here in, in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, he was a goalie coach a couple of years ago. So uh, we kept in touch a little bit. But uh, he did a phenomenal job uh last year and the years before that uh, when he came to the organization and he, he he's well deserved what he did what he what he gets now yeah i mean hex saw we just spoke to him today and he really talked about uh you know how much kyoto cares about maybe the mental aspect of the game um for mm-hmm. goalies um and, and and since you've been around him as he's been a coach just what um are your impressions of how he is as, as a coach and maybe that that side of the game too the mental aspect yeah, well, the game changed a lot since we were there, and uh, we didn't back then. It was not goalies were not really that important, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we didn't have much of a goalie coach or you know, like mentor that you know, it was it was harder. It was it was different back then. So we kind of had to learn everything on our own. And um, towards the years got like uh, it got better and better. And now uh, you know, you got goalie coach in Wilkesbury, you got goalie coach everywhere. Like you know, for the junior teams. So it's 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 not only on the ice. It's it's um, it's just more about um, you know uh, guys need a help uh, off ice. They, they they can't. It's a confident thing, and um, you know a lot of mental aspect. And uh, you know it's 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 everywhere now. You need you need help for everybody. Uh, Sebastian, you you kind of touched on this for. Uh, the you know the challenge of, of a goaltending coach, but can you say what's more important for a goaltending coach to do to to do that on ice work with guys with their technique and, and you know positioning and things like that on the ice, or is it in in the mental part of the game that you know building co- building his confidence, yeah. uh, developing trust you know between the the goalie and the coach. Yeah, like everybody did some some at at some point some good stuff to be drafted to be in a, you know make it where they need to be. So um, you know the confidence. I think uh, it, it's a big part of it, and it, it, it's part of uh, uh, feeling good on the ice, and then and and also to be like uh, um, you know mentally right. You know if you can't you can't see the puck, it's gonna have it's gonna have a you're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, be confident. So uh, it's building, like, sometimes the goalie gets in the slump or whatever. It's bringing back into where it needs to be, feeling good and seeing a puck and then work on some stuff after that, you know. It's not only all, all the time on the ice. People think it's it's always working on the ice, but it's it, take a step back and see what you did, what you were doing well, and then bring it in and try to get that back as soon as possible. Uh, Tristan Jari is a guy who might need to rebuild his confidence a bit after some of the struggles he had in the, the playoff series against the Islanders. Speaking as a goaltender, what does it take to get past, you know, a, a rough patch like that in your career? How big of a challenge is that? Well, it, it, it's it's not easy. I mean, goalies are you're the last man standing. So, um, like you said, like a He's a good goalie. He, he played well the year before. He, um, you know, he just needed more help. And, um, you know, somebody like Andy will come in. It's, it's going to be a fresh uh, voice. 
Uh, I, I'm not. I was not really familiar with uh, the previous uh, goalie coach there, but uh, um, I think uh, you know, just a fresh voice. Uh, it's going to go a long way, and uh, different techniques he's going to bring. And you know, I think it's going to be good for him. And he's still a young kid. You don't want to give up on the, on the young kid, which he's, he did well before. Tom? Tom, you're muted. Sebastian, I had one last question for you before we yeah. let you go. We had Marty Baron on uh, much earlier uh, in, in, in the season. And, and one of the things that's to me interesting about the NHL today, and this is when you were playing in the league, uh, there were so many good French Canadian goalies around mm -hmm. the league. I mean, they were just, they were everywhere. What's happened? Why, why do we so see, uh, why are we seeing so few in the game right now when, when, you know, they, they, they dominated the game kind of at the time that you were playing? Yeah. I mean, back then Francois there brought, uh, you know, a different style of game, and uh, we were ahead of the game as uh, Canadian goalies. But, I mean, everybody now has got their own uh, – they're working a lot more on, on the other countries too, like Russia, you know. I, I'm not going to start naming everything, but, uh, you know, like everybody is involving. It, it got better. Um, you know, there's a lot more um, interest on, on developing the goalies now. And uh, even when I played in Germany and Switzerland – there's goalie coach there, you know, the, the, everything got in, uh, a lot better for uh, everywhere else around the world. So, you know, um, it, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we got, we caught on earlier, but uh, everything catch up with us as a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. The last thing we know you were part of that team that was, was on the uh, epic losing streak. Were you yeah. happy that Buffalo was finally able to, kind of ended their own streak this year and and did you in in watching that did you have did you feel sympathy uh for the goalies sabers that had to go through that oh yeah i mean it's it's uh it's, it's like the dark side of uh hockey <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's 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 nice to uh to see that uh, guys got out of it and uh um you know you don't wish that to anybody um his career and uh i mean I like I tell like a couple people ask me for an interview and they said well I I said I, I saw the positive out of it you know back then you just don't know what it is but uh, I learned a lot over the years and that was one time that I can say that you know I learned a lot over how how to get out of it what to do because when you get caught up in it it's it's such a hard thing to to uh, to be in but uh, you know learning learning from it was uh, was a, a good experience in a way you know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, excellent. Thank you uh, to, to, uh, to Sebastian Caron. And uh, that will be it for us this week on the 66 to 87 podcast for Sebastian Caron, uh, Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas. This is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week.